You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Janet Salazar, President and Executive Chairman at the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations. Janet, welcome to the show. Hey, Laura, thank you so much. And hello, everyone. Laura, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so grateful and really excited to uh, start conversations with you. And of course, you know, uh, for our audience who are listening right now. I think the last time we talked was actually at the UN a few years ago. And we, I should say, when we talked face to face last, and we were chatting after an event, uh, had a nice glass of wine. So we're going to pretend we're right back there. And we're going to pick up the conversation right where we left off. Sound good to you? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Excellent. Now, first, I know that at this point, this is my little pre-show question that has a little warm-up for us. You have traveled just about everywhere in your work with the UN, but what's one place that you haven't been to that you figured you probably would have been to by now? <laughs> and if it's not a country, you've been to all those, then feel free to pick a specific city or something. Right. Yeah. No, I really want to go to Kenya. Oh, haven't done that yet. Yeah, I have not been in any part of Africa at all. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm set to go there hopefully next year when all this COVID issue is under control. But yeah, Kenya would be on top of my list because I really hear a lot about it and how beautiful it is, especially Nairobi. And then outside of that, you know, I just be with nature. Uh, I love nature so much. So I think Kenya, I can get a lot of that, you know, and so I'm excited about it. Yeah, so oh. Kenya on top of my list. That sounds great. Okay, so now tell us, you said you, the acronym is FSUN, but the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations. What does that mean exactly? People don't think of the United Nations as needing a foundation to support it. Help us understand. Yes, thank you, Laura. So the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations is an international organization that has the highest accreditation with the United Nations, specifically with the Economic and Social Council. There's like 153 of us and, you know, among all the thousands of other local and international NGOs that are accredited with the United Nations. So to your point, you ask uh, many times people think that the United Nations do not need or does not need any help or any support. But contrary to that is actually the fact that the United Nations, as big as it is, relies upon international organizations like the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations to help on the ground to help the planning, et cetera, and the deployment of its projects. Specifically right now, I'm sure a lot of our audience and yourself included, you know, are very familiar with the sustainable development goals of the United mm -hmm. Nations, which was adopted in 2015 after the NBG. So that is right now, you know, the most ambitious and the biggest set of goals, right? 17 sustainable development goals of the United Nations is seriously working with all the governments and organizations around the world to deploy and make happen in 2030. So this is a big chunk of what we do at the United mm -hmm. Nations, at the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations, you know, to really be part of the arm, so to speak, right? On the ground of the United Nations, you know, to reach people that otherwise, you know, a lot of times 
cannot be. We sure. invite the United Nations to implement these this projects and programs, etc. Great. Okay. Well, that sounds like a rather big job, if I'm not mistaken. So give me a sense of who you need to influence. Let's talk about just on the direct level. Who do you directly need to influence? Because it sounds like your work stretches across the whole, around the whole world. But who do you personally need to influence? Absolutely. So for us specifically with FSUN, our man, our mandate and our strongest capacity, you know, since we started is really the private sector. So we're very strong when it comes to public private partnerships, even, you know, inside the United Nations. I'm sure, you know, you've mentioned earlier, we posted, you've attended quite a few of our events there, uh, our global events. So that's pretty much where our strength lies. We interface pretty much with the private sector and the business sector to sort of like be the voice of, you know, what the, the sustainable development goals is all about and why the private sector and the business sector should support these goals and should really help in, you know, not only capital behind it, but resources, allocating resources from their companies to help achieve the sustainable development goals in the United Nations. And in doing this, what's the biggest communication challenge that you and Afsan are facing today? If you talk about today, I mean, I think everyone can identify with the fact that because of our current environment, it really is a limited ability of communicating, you know, through virtual. I mean, virtually pretty much is just on phone and Zoom compared to being able to down, for example, with a CEO and have lunch, have dinner, have a drink even, you know, and explain to them what the SDGs are all about, why are we doing this, and all that kind of thing, so the, the objectives of it, etc. So this current virtual environment that we have, I guess, is something that's a bit challenging. Although the past couple of months, you know, or so, we've been able to sort of get into that level in, of um, mastering a little bit, you know, on how to get our messaging across, for example, the CEO or the business owner, effectively, even though we're just talking on the phone or just doing the Zoom. Right, right. I'm curious because you're working with countries both developed, developing and everything in between, but you're primarily working with the leadership of the countries and the companies within the countries. But do you still find that things like bandwidth and, and effective internet connectivity are even getting in the way of your communication? Lately, like I said, because of a lot of improvement and progress, I believe in bandwidth, capacity, etc., you know, because of the need, right, for all of us, you know, we all depend on bandwidth right now and internet. I right. think it's improving a lot. So Good. the barriers are getting lesser and lesser. I think now, you know, one of the challenges lies in really communicating it on a personal level, you know, I mean, like an energetic level, not anymore about technology, et cetera, the bandwidth, yeah. et cetera, right? But Good. more of like really letting the other person know, you know, like, for example, the prime minister or whoever, you know, letting them feel, you know, your conviction and commitment to this project, for example, and why are you asking them to come on board? Sure. I think it's hard enough intercultural communication and getting the right feel interpreting another person is hard enough by itself. And having people when you're restricted to virtual communication is also hard enough to get someone to feel who you are and to to get the sense of you as a person, your energy, your personality, your integrity, your all the good stuff you want to convey is also hard enough. When you merge the two together, I would imagine that it is um, more than an additive challenge. 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I think for me, communications at this time, you know, of the COVID restriction, entails a lot of elements to come up with an entire package, right? Not only the bandwidth and internet capacity, not only the way we see each other on screen like this and be able to transfer that energy and enthusiasm, but also a lot of times materials as well. So we rely, rely a lot on our materials also, like visuals. Have to present bags, etc. So to take it, you know, as a package, I think the key right now is really what it is. I mean, all together, and that but that makes for a, a successful communications at yes. this time. I believe, yes. Now, you're somebody who, if I remember correctly, was sort of born with the gift of conversation and your ability, you're very comfortable talking with people from all different backgrounds, and you are sort of a natural communicator. But at the same time, in order to be president of the foundation, to be the executive chairman, you had to have had to develop some other communication skills along the way, something that wasn't just innate from birth. What did you have to develop communication skill-wise to be successful where you are now? Well, of course, you know, confidence has to play a lot of role into it as what everybody knows. So um, even though I've had that in Italy, I still have to cultivate it, right? Because I speak with or to, you know, a lot of people different levels. So it's sort of like many times I have to tailor my approach. I have to tailor my energy to the type of audience that I'm speaking to, whether that's in the hundreds or thousands or just a few or even, you know, a couple of a couple of ambassadors that I'm speaking to. So that's one thing. And then um, I think I've mentioned before, I'm a stickler when it comes to pronouncing names. Mm. So yeah, and I think it is a very important element of communication. For me personally, one of the best things that I express my respect to the other person is when I'm able to properly pronounce their name, to correctly mm. pronounce their names. And the job that I do, and as a foundation, you know, internationally, it's hard sometimes and very challenging because there's so many different people that we deal with from across the world, different nations with different names that are sometimes so hard to pronounce. It's not like an everyday for us, you know. So I make sure that I research, you know, I, I even ask the other person, am I pronouncing your name properly? Because I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I'm addressing you correctly. And, you know, that makes me feel good when I'm communicating with person, you know, I, I feel more effective. I feel that I'm going to be more received when I from time to time, mention the name of who it is that I'm talking to or speaking with, and I mentioned the name correctly. I love it. And when you said it, the importance of pronouncing someone's name right, my my heart just did a little happy dance. And for those of you who have not seen my TED Talk yet, of course, the title is Want to Sound Like a Leader, Start by Saying Your Name Right. So if you haven't heard it yet, go take a look at my TED Talk on YouTube. But a little shameless self-promotional plug on that front. But it was a perfect segue given what I swear I did not prompt her to give that answer. That was completely Janet's own decision, but it, it was a great opportunity to show where, and it is just that much harder when you're trying to share your name with someone who does not understand or does not speak your language as a native language or just comes from a very different background one way or another. So uh, helping help them help you, help them understand it so they can say it right for you in return. Okay, then along those lines, perhaps it wasn't with regard to pronouncing someone's name, but what's a different kind of communications-related mistake that you made or a lesson that you had to learn the hard way coming up? And if you could go back and have a do-over, what would you do differently? 
<laughs> well, you know, a lot of times in, in the majority of my speeches, right, I've had to open the event, our own global event, Sarah. And within that, I've had to acknowledge our guest of honor, you know, our, our BBIPs, our partners, et cetera, specifically inside the United Nations. You've had you have to acknowledge all the ambassadors, et cetera. So one of the embarrassing moments I've experienced is, again, you know, it goes back to really pronouncing the name of a certain ambassador and switch the country. So oh. I not only pronounced the name incorrectly, but I also switched the country that he represents. So I think there was a 30-second sort of awkward moment and everybody was silent, of course, at the UN. And of course, a lot of them will not even know who am I referring to. But to that specific ambassador, you know, that is where my embarrassment is all sure. about. Right? So it's like a one-on-one thing. And you chatted, how come you forgot my name and my country and stuff? So, But I recovered after that. So I think, and that happened a couple of times, actually. Mm. Again, like I said, many times, you know, it is quite challenging, especially for me, you know, many times I saw them use the notes, right? Because, you know, I mean, I believe, okay, I can do this and I memorize all the names, et cetera. And then it happens that you really miss and not only, but mispronounce, that's the worst, the name. So I yeah. apologize after that. And I think they forgot it now. But I made notes. I actually made sure, you know, if I had to introduce more than five ambassadors of guest of honor, I made sure I have notes already. I, I don't want <laughs> to make the same mistake again. And I Ugh. think when it comes to acknowledging names and guests, it is quite all right to have a little bit of a note. <laughs> sure, sure. And that's one of those moments where when you the moment you hear those the word come out of your mouth that's wrong and you catch it, even though you probably only paused for two seconds to collect yourself and, and get ready to fix it, it must feel like this eternal silence and you just sort of want the floor to open up and swallow you. Oh, those are the worst feelings when you do those kinds of things. At least they are for me. I don't know if you had the same OMG kind of moment. But. And that's recorded. I mean, the UN always records our <laughs> So it's for me, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's suspended. It's been immortalized forever. Internally, yeah. Oh my goodness. So there's no escaping. The, you couldn't say, oh no, no, that never happened. There's there's no deniability whatsoever. Yikes. So see out there, if you ever make those mistakes, at least you know it's not there forever for the world on recording. So then with all of this, what's the next big goal for you, whether personally or for the foundation? And what skills will you have to develop? Right. Thank you, Laura. That I, I only love that question very much because I'm I'm always looking forward to having adventure, whether personally or through the work that I do with the foundation or our private business. But for the foundation, because that's really like for the post my pauses right now and our conversation. So I'm excited about the expansion that we have started with 2021, you know, hopefully better days ahead of us. Post-COVID, we uh, should be able and I'm confident to resume and be on track with, you know, our scheduling for expansion. And I'm really excited about Africa. That is where, you know, our next full expansion plan is going to happen. We are already registered in Nairobi in Kenya. That's wow. 
headquarters. She had the hub for the entire Eastern and West Africa, all of the continent, pretty much. So, and we already have a lot of conversations happening between me and the first ladies of the key countries in Africa to start some form of a coalition there, you know, with the support of these first ladies. And every time I hear about these, their projects, the more that they tell me about it, the more that I get so excited. So that to me, that alone, you know, makes me like really want to like, okay, let's go for it already. Yeah, That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So are there any specific communication skills that you're going to need to continue to develop to be successful there in Kenya? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, for the entire Africa. Absolutely. Oh my God, Laura. The fact that I haven't been there, it will be my first time with my team to be there. And then for me, you know, personally having to deal with a much, much higher level diplomats, right? Even presidents, you know, and first ladies, there's definitely a lot of learnings I have to do. I actually have to train as well, you know, how to properly culturally be more sensitive on how to communicate with them properly and stuff. So I'm also Mm. excited about that. But yeah, I'm preparing for that as well. And uh, I know it's going to be a little challenging because it's something new to me. But I think that universally as human beings, our way of communication. So there are certain elements that are basic to us as human beings when it comes to communication. Mm-hmm. So I'm counting on that, of course, you know, to see me through this next uh, frontier of communicating with more of the, the leaders in the African continent. But I'm positive it's going to be all right. Oh, it's going to be great. I have no <laughs> doubt. But that uh, the learning the protocols and the cultural ways and things, of course, is, is an incredibly important chapter in any new relationship when you're crossing national borders, to say the least. So this brings us to our listener 24-hour influence challenge. Janet, this is your opportunity to speak directly to our listeners and challenge them to take one step that they can complete in the next 24 hours so that they have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? All right. This is from me and this I practice every day of my life. And this is to me the most important thing, which is to love yourself. Hmm. Make time for yourself because you can never give what you don't have. So if you do not have strength, if you do not have energy, you don't have inspiration, you don't have resources, you know, in practical ways, you can't give it. So if you really want to be more effective out there to help other people, make other people's lives better, you've got to start with yourself first. So mm-hmm. love yourself. I mean, I mean, pamper yourself, exercise, eat what you love, eat healthy and all this stuff. I know a lot of this is cliche, but there is so much benefit from that. As a matter of fact, that's the best love you can give is actually loving yourself and enjoying what you, what you enjoy doing all that, you know, enriching yourself, forgiving yourself if Mm. you make mistakes, etc. And if you do that, make it a daily habit. For me, I do that every morning and and prepare for my day and then in the evening, at night before sleeping and all that stuff. If you do that, you feel more generous in giving back. You feel more energized and inspired, you know, to help even your friends and families. You don't have to do great things even, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, you know, at these times where we have multi-crisis, et cetera. But yes, you become more full pretty much in giving more of yourself to other people. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. This brings us to looking now at how you lead others who are your direct reports and others in the organization. Let's talk first about executive presence, otherwise known as leadership presence, command presence. What is it? How do you recognize it? 
leadership is an entire package, Laura. For us, who, are, who has more experience, I believe, right? We've managed people for a couple of decades, etc. It's so easy to pretty much recognize that it's factor. It's just like, you know, when you see with other people, you know, that's unmistakable. Like right away, you know, I could tell this is a leadership material, right? But besides that, you, you really can't just depend on one element or, you know, a couple of factors when you're trying to assess a person, you know, other than, of course, that first impression and that energy that they give up, you know. But beyond that, there are also other supporting elements. That's why it makes it an entire package, sure. right? Sure. Yeah, and, and that, that you could also identify once a person starts to talk. Yes. But to me, that's very important. And this is where communications come in, you know. I Good. can tell right away, yeah, if a person is just being, you know, nice or just trying to, to sweet talk or, or, you know, to really have that authority and that leadership quality that I'm looking for. So, yeah. And on that note, when you're either grooming a high potential employee or looking to hire somebody for a leadership role in the organization, what communication skills do you look for? And what would be a red flag that would make you say, ah, nope, this one's a no-go? You can tell when somebody is so rigid into sticking into one, just one approach of explaining what they wanted to tell you versus being more creative, you know, in such a way that if they see you raise your eyebrow or they see you look at them quizzically, like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Now, right away, they can pick that up and they're easy to switch. They can switch easily in an approach that will eventually make you understand them. So I'm, I'm impressed, you know, with, with that quality of communications. And I've seen that a lot in so many uh, young people, you know, when, when, so the most important thing is they should be able to also read your face, read your body language, for example, as a boss, right? And you're asking them something and you look at them like they have seven heads, for example. <laughs> they should be able to yeah. pick, pick that up right away and pivot and communicate their message in such a way that they can get you back on track to listening to them again. Otherwise, they will lose my interest. Mm. They definitely lose me and I'll just zone out, you know. And <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So a red flag, uh, going back to your question, to complete this, a red flag would be if someone would be talking so much about the me-centered approach, you know, like mm. all about them, etc. I mean, we acknowledge people have accomplishments and they want to talk about that. We, we love talking about our accomplishments, etc. But if it starts to really drown the conversation so that the focus is just all about themselves, then it's a red flag for me. Mm. Okay, so this brings us then to the speed round. And these are a couple of topics that regularly come up in my training and my coaching, where people tend to get stuck on these ideas, feeling like it's black or white, and they're, they don't like which side of the fence they think they're on. But we want to do a little bit of myth busting and let people know that it doesn't have to be either or. And also, they tend to think that these are areas that they alone struggle with and that people at the top like you never struggle with. You were born perfect and you never have troubles and whatnot. So we want them to understand that everybody works through stuff and it is still possible to do that and get to the top. So let's talk first. I'm going to ask you a quick A or B. I'd like you to choose A or B and then I'll give you a, an extra question for some more detail. First, public speaking, love it or hate it? Oh, love it. <laughs> Now, what should people do? You mentioned confidence earlier, that confidence is a natural part of who you are, which, of course, makes you very good at your job. But 
For those who don't have as much confidence when speaking in public, what's one tip that you can give them to help them get a little confidence boost? Own it. Okay. And what does that look like? Yeah. For me, those two words are very, very powerful. Once you internalize that and you practice it, own it. Whatever kind of speech you're going to give, no matter how many audience you have, thousands, hundreds, one, two, ten, it doesn't matter. Visualize yourself on that stage in front of that microphone, you know, and this is your game. This is yours. You know, you alone has the authority in that room. That's owning it. And mm. that once you have that, once you practice that and once you constantly have that as your ethos, as your mantra, your communications ethos, it completely wraps you around that confidence. And that really, you know, people can feel that as well. They can feel the authority there, you know, your own self-leadership, that you own, you know, this moment. You yes. are the boss in this moment. You know what I mean? Your voice is the only one that everybody's going to listen to at this moment. That's owning it. And I guarantee you, once you practice that, I know many times it's easier said than that. And I know that very well. I mean, but really try that. Try that every day, especially if your career track is towards that speaking, you know, um, just even presenting, you know, to the board, your project, your companies, et cetera, pitching, you know, your new venture to investors, et cetera. Those two words are very, very powerful if you start practicing that. Own it. Yeah. So, yeah, own it. All right. Two words, everybody. Own it. You heard it here first. Now, Janet, what about the introvert-extrovert continuum? Where do you fall? Right now, at this point in my life, I consider myself more of an introvert now, although I still have extroverted qualities, of course. Mm -hmm. I love speaking. I still, you know, do a lot of presentations. I interact with a lot of of our partners, etc. And again, like I said, it's just within me, right, that I'm a speaker, pretty much. But when I was younger, I was completely, totally, I believe, extroverted, Mm. because I still depended. And I think a lot of a lot of our listeners can identify to this, that, to this, that when we were younger, we tend to want, still wanted so much that validation, outside validation, mm-hmm. outside affirmation of our capacity, mm-hmm. of our abilities, et cetera, et cetera, our accomplishments. So when, when you are still in that space, you are more extroverted because your happiness, your joy, your energy depends so much on outside validation, outside energy like that. So when people say something bad, your energy, definitely Mm -hmm. you're disappointed, you're frustrated, etc. that kind of thing. But for me personally, in my journey, as I grow older and where I am right now, you know, I cherish now, you know, more than ever, I cherish my quiet moments, Mm. alone with myself, being alone with the divine, you know, with nature, just being more in touch with a higher, higher force, I wanted to say. And that feeds my soul very well. And that is, to me, I'm more introverted when it comes to that. Needing more quiet time to recharge your batteries of sorts. Etc. Yeah. And plug in, you know, to the source. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then my last question for you is about conflict. And when you're faced with a possibly difficult conversation, for example, is your natural instinct, your DNA hardwiring to want to avoid conflict at all costs or to just address it head on? Oh, DNA wise, I don't like conflict. (laughs) (laughs) I was born not to 
ever want to have anything to do with conflict. So what have you learned then about how to manage that desire to run and handle it effectively? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I consider myself very tough and brave when it comes to handling conflicts. I mean, because you can't avoid them, right? And through the years, you know, so many conflicts, especially, you know, where I am right now, my position, you know, the business, the foundation, etc. There's like almost conflicts all the time, right? And lots of egos to deal with people and partners, etc. So one of the effective ways I learned how to deal with these kinds of things is listening. I actually now develop a much, much higher level of the capacity to listen. Mm. And I'm telling you, Laura, and our listeners, based on my own experience, you know, when you start practicing that, it is pretty much a lot of times the antidote to conflict. A lot of conflicts gets resolved if we only try to learn how to listen better, you know, yes. listen better so that we can understand where the other party is coming from. We can understand their reasonings, you know, the reasons why they are behaving in such a way and that what's causing the conflict there. Mm. Listening. Yeah, that's that's been my lifelong learning and I'm still learning every day. We don't stop learning. But listening, that word to me is key. Yeah, yes. in how I've been dealing with making sure that the conflicts are resolved, you sure. know, not necessarily many times in the way of the outcome that we want them to be, but many times for really better results. I love the way you said that the listening is the antidote to conflict. So everybody, if you uh, are looking for your little gold nugget of the day that you want to write on your arm or write on your bathroom mirror in a in a Sharpie or even a dry erase marker or something, that I think is your, your little gold nugget of wisdom today. It certainly is mine. Listening is the antidote to conflict. That was beautiful. I'm going to remember that. All right, Janet, thank you so much for joining us today. How could people learn more about you and the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations? Thank you so much again, Laura, for having me. I had so much fun. I didn't even realize we're ending now. It's so much fun talking with you. And of course, knowing that we have our listeners who are joining us today. But you can visit a couple of websites. Of course, if you want to know more about the work that we do at the Foundation for the Support of the United Nations or FSUN, you could go to fsun-global.org. I'm sure Laura can plug that out later. Everything will be in the show notes. Absolutely. Be in the show. And if you want to know more about the entire me and what I do, not only with the foundation, but our other businesses and the activities that I do, my passion, et cetera, <laughs> what I'm engaged with, um, you can visit my personal website. It's janetsalazar.co. So it's not .com, it's .co. So my name, right. Janet Salazar.co. And I'm sure Laura yes. will have that up as well later. Of course. That's great. Well, once again, Janet, thank you so much. It's been great to reconnect with you. And I love the the view. So those of you who are listening outside, who are just listening on, on iTunes or something else, you can't actually see this, although you can go to my YouTube channel and see the actual video itself. Janet has the most amazing view out the window. And she lives, she's in her apartment right now in New York, but she's literally across the river from the UN. Will you tell everybody how you told me you want to commute to work? <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I always tell everybody now, you know, it's exactly right across the East River from the United Nations that I can literally zip line from my <laughs> side of the United Nations and be right there, you know. But of course, before I ever do that, the NYPD will already come. You will probably not be successful, but theoretically speaking, she has a direct shot right across the river from her unit up on the 38th floor, right? I mean, I can see it right out the window. It's absolutely a gorgeous view. So zip lining to the United Nations as your daily commute. That is another new one for me. I, I have I not. I, <laughs> All right, well, Janet, thank you again for joining us today. And everybody else, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so that we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.